0: Welcome to the Indianola First podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Last week I started a little series on cultivating a thankful heart, nurturing within ourselves that attitude of gratitude that scripture itself tells us we need to walk in. Living a life of thankfulness, and I hope you've been doing that this week a little bit more than normal. I hope you've been striving a little bit, trying a little bit harder to be thankful in every situation and circumstance. But living a life of thankfulness is a decision that we must intentionally make. It's not just an automatic thing. And let's be clear about what that is. Having a thankful heart is being thankful for what you have instead of feeling shortchanged with what you don't have. I mean, just, it's just that simple. Thankfulness is possessing the ability to have appreciation for something or someone. It's the moment of true clarity when you realize the true value of something or someone and then act upon that realization. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And honestly, I could, I, we, we could read many scriptures that admonish us or tell us to be thankful. There are literally pages of them throughout scripture. If you were to take them all out of scripture, all the times it says, be thankful, be thankful, be thankful. Take all those out and put them on a, on a Word document, you'd have pages and pages and pages. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 118:1, "O 1, oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. And if you have ever read the book of Psalms, you know as well as I do that that is just one of many, many verses that tell us to be thankful. The apostle Paul instructed uh, the church in Thessalonica to give thanks. He said in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Isn't that interesting? It says all circumstances. It doesn't say just some. It doesn't say just when things are going well for you. Just when you're in a good mood. How many have ever been in a bad mood? How many have been in a bad mood for 10 years? Paul says give thanks in all circumstances for that's the will of God. He also let the church, Paul did in Rome, the church in Rome, he, he let them know that, that he himself was thankful. In Romans 1.8, he said, first, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. You know, the Bible makes it abundantly clear we should be people who give thanks. And I believe the Holy Spirit Is even wooing his people today to give thanks, to be more thankful. There's a song that was written in 1978. For those of you that uh, were alive then, um, I was, were you? I was six, how old were you? (laughs) Some of you groaned, I don't understand why. But there is a song that was written in 1978, and most of you know it. It's called Give Thanks. It goes, give thanks with a grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ his son. It's a great song. In fact, I I walked into a life group that was happening in the bistro, there's one that meets in the bistro due to some some certain situations, but anyway, they they were meeting in the bistro, I walked in the other day, and they're, they're just singing that. It was beautiful. I was like, "Well, I, I gotta leave, I don't wanna disrupt I'm like, no, I'm staying, I wanna hear this. And I was real quiet and I heard it for a while and it was just gorgeous. Be thankful. That song was written in 1978. CCLI, you might not know what that is, but um, it's the musical guild and, and um, licensing organization for songs that are sung in church. They track how many times worship songs are actually sung in public worship settings. And they license the church for a fee and distribute those monies to those who wrote, produced, and published those songs. We pay a licensing fee every single year for that, for for our ability to be able to play songs in here. It's a licensing fee. And CCLI has a weekly list of the top 100 songs that are used in churches around the globe. This last week, Goodness of God was number one. Gratitude was number two. I Speak Jesus was number 10. And I'd expect this because these songs are powerful and they're new and they speak to people's hearts and we like that fresh sound and that fresh song, don't we? It's fun to sing it. But what I wouldn't expect is that a song from 1978 ended up being the 75th most used song in worship last week. 78. That song still ministers to people's hearts. That's what that tells me the song give thanks is it's simple to understand in message it's got scripture built right into the lyrics it's familiar and the holy spirit is still prompting his people to do just that give thanks and sometimes the actual doing of being thankful it sort of gets pushed to the back seat because we don't understand the why behind it we know the what that we are to be thankful but where the Bible is clear about us being thankful many, many, many times over, it's a little less clear on the why we should be thankful or what the benefits are to those who are thankful. And I get it. We just need to take the word of God and and, and believe it. Faith is belief without seeing, and we should just do what it says whether we know the why or not, right? How many are with me on that? The Bible says it. We just do it, right? We don't need to know the why. But sometimes it's nice to know the why. It's not that clear on the whys, you have to dig a little deeper. You have to think through scripture. You have to put yourself in people's shoes to figure that out a little bit. And, and I agree with being blindly obedient to the word of God. Don't, don't get me wrong here. It's just difficult sometimes. And maybe that's just me being a little bit honest. It's difficult sometimes. It's next to impossible to live life always maintaining that thankful heart. A heart that refuses to go to the negative but always sees the good in things. And again, if we dig a little bit, there's there's some benefits that we can discover in the Word of God, benefits that will help us strive just a little bit more in cultivating our hearts to be thankful in every season of life, every situation, every circumstance that we go through. We, we, We talked about a couple of those benefits last week, the main one being that a thankful heart is the incubator for generosity, right? That's what we talked about. Generosity is one of those world-changing attributes that an individual can possess. Generous people change the world, that's just the way it is. Stingy people never get very far, have you noticed that? After all, the most generous act in all of history is when Jesus generously gave his life for the forgiveness of sins, and he changed the world completely. So if being generous makes us more like Jesus, then I want to possess that attribute, and 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 a thankful heart is the incubator for that kind of generosity. So be thankful. Why? Because that thankful heart will flow with generosity. It's one of the benefits of being thankful. This morning, I want to give you another benefit of having a thankful heart. And it's this, that a thankful heart is a catalyst for worship. It's a catalyst for worship. Worship's a big part of who we are as a church, isn't it? We love to worship around here. As I have taught many times before, the most basic definition of the word worship comes from its own etymology. Our word worship is derived from the Old English word worthship, spelled W O E R T H S H I P, kind of a weird looking word, worthship, which is to proclaim or give back worth. That's what that word means. So, how much is God worth? He is infinitely worthy, right? We could never give him back his worth or proclaim to the point that it's it's satisfactory, his true worth. I mean, if you think about what is God worth, what is his worthiness, we could never reach that level of, of showing him how worthy he is. So, so when, I, when I say worship, I'm not just talking about the singing time during a church service, all right? I'm, not, I'm talking about all of us as, a, as finite human beings striving to proclaim the worth of an infinite God. It's like an impossible thing to really proclaim to the level that he is worthy, right? Are you following me? That then, if that's the case, is, is, is not only about singing, it's about giving. It's about witnessing, it's about how we live our lives, how we carry ourselves in this world, how we dress, how we allow ourselves to see, and, or what we allow ourselves to see, and, and what we refuse to look at. That's all part of worship. Even what we say and refuse to say, worship is an all-encompassing act of our own free will, and it takes nothing less than our entire lives. It's everything that we are. That's worship, showing with everything that we are, that he is worthy, or trying to give worth back to him. And even in the best of efforts, it's really not possible to truly get to the place where we give him everything he deserves, right? But man, I'm gonna try. And I hope you will too. Because he he doesn't hold the fact that we're finite against us, He just says, you're blessing me. You're blessing me with your life. Isn't that a, I I, I thought about this week. Me. Barry. I can bless God. You can bless the king of the universe. Does that not, I, I, maybe that's not registering with you. Dylan. You're only Dylan. I mean, Bailey thinks you're the bomb, but you're, you're Dylan, right? You're just Dylan. And that's a wonderful, awesome thing. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. I get all that. But you, as this finite human being, can bless the king of the universe. I, I don't know, it just hit me... I can bless God? I thought it was all about him blessing me. And he does. But he is blessed by us. And I love that. When I'm talking about worship, when I say worship this morning, it's, it's nothing less than our entire lives, all pointed in the direction, all that energy given, to give worth to him because he's absolutely 100% worthy. What is God worth? He is worthy of it all. I think, Devin, you introduced a song recently. Worthy of it all, right? We say that, he is worthy of all of it. Everything that's within us, he's worthy of it. Our whole being, our dreams, our ambitions, our thoughts, our actions. He's worthy of our individual decisions to make him the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end of every one of our days, every one of our months, every one of our years, our whole life. That He's the beginning and the end, He's everything. John 4, 23 through 24 says this, but the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I think it's interesting he says true worshipers because when I see that, I go, hmm, does that mean there's untrue worshipers? He made it a point to say true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus spoke these words to the Samaritan woman. I believe Amelia was talking about that same Samaritan woman uh, on, on Friday night, the woman at the well. Jesus met her there and he had his conversation that she was talking about in her message. But just after that, He spoke these words in John 4, 23 through 24. There's a time coming when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. So there's a time coming and indeed it's now. Today is the day to make that choice, right? The Father seeks those who worship him like that. To worship the Father in spirit and in truth is to express to God with our lives from a place in our hearts of truth that's, that's true and, and, and authentic, to express to him from that place what we believe he is worth. You can't fake true worship. It, it's telling God with everything that you are and everything that we do that he is worthy of our whole life, our adoration, our honor, our songs of praise, our loyalty, our desire to please him, everything, everything. And that kind of worship can only flow from understanding him through a personal relationship. When you begin to experience God and all of his goodness, you begin to get it. You begin to understand who he really is and worshiping in spirit and in truth just flows from you to him. That's the kind of worship the father seeks out. He looks for it and he makes his residence there. Is that clicking with you today? if we worship him in spirit and in truth, if we truly are worshiping from a place of authenticity in our hearts, he'll live right here. He'll make his presence known in our midst. I think that's the difference between dry churches and dead churches and, 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 and alive churches. You know, that's a place I want to create with my worship. Is your worship so true and authentic that you create a place that God is looking for so he can be there? God's omnipresent. I get that. I know that he's everywhere all the time. He's, he's in those, I just mentioned, dead churches. He's there. He's everywhere all, at the, all the time, right? I know that. But there's something to be said about his manifest presence, that place where his Holy Spirit is just being poured out, that place where you, you, just, you just feel him. I mean, it's kind of like you get the Holy Spirit when you get saved, but when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit has you. It's, it's, just, it's, it's just increased, right? You're like submerged in it. It's that place where you just feel him. He's like like that warm blanket being wrapped around you. It's that place where his manifest presence is just being poured out. You You just sense he's there. Have you been in those kind of places? Maybe it's in your prayer closet and you just sense that he's there. We always have faith that he's present, but to have his presence supersede even our faith in his omnipresence to a place where we sense his very presence where we sense it emotionally and spiritually, that's what I would call his manifest presence. And so in getting back to cultivating a thankful heart, know that it carries with it the benefit of being a catalyst for true worship. Thankful hearts produce worship. They just do. Psalm 104, says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. There's been a lot of songs written about this verse. And it seems to give us a clue at how to enter the gates of his temple. We enter them with thanksgiving, right? And one might say, well, that's how we should enter them. We should enter them with thanksgiving because he's there. And, we, and this, I understand this is Old Testament, but, but we enter his gates. And this was a physical place in the Old Testament, right? His temple, and, and we enter his gates with thanksgiving. That's, that's how we should enter. Another way to look at it would be that it's like a, 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 a prerequisite to entering his gates. Like you can't really get through the gates unless you're giving thanks. I mean, in the New Testament, at least this is a metaphorical meaning. It carries with it that at least. Psalm 95 two says, let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. And again, I'm blown away at how often the book of Psalms couples having a thankful heart with worshiping the Lord. The two are almost inseparable. And here's my point. A worshiping heart will always flow from a thankful one. A thankful heart is a catalyst for true worship. And being a person of worship is a good thing. That is a benefit unto you. It's benefit It's a benefit to all of us. Why is being worshipful a benefit to us? Well, have you ever been in those places of manifest presence? What happens? God is showing up and things happen in your life. It's a benefit. In the book of Acts chapter 16, we see that Paul and Silas, they're thrown into prison for casting a demon out of a slave girl. This little slave girl had a demon Apparently it was, a, they called it a familiar spirit or a spirit that, that actually would predict the future. And, and their owners, the, the slave girl's owners, would use this girl to make money. They say, oh, you want your fortune read? This little girl can do it. And she was demon possessed. And so when Paul and Silas came in, into town and they were preaching the gospel and they were talk, talking about, about Jesus and they were doing their thing, this, it, it, and actually, they had, they were, that, was their, that was their goal. They were going to do that. But before they did it, this little girl was walking behind them saying things like, these men will tell you the way to salvation. These men will tell you the way of salvation. Which was absolutely true, right? But it was blowing their cover before they wanted to speak at the right time. So he was like you know what i'm sick of this little girl blowing my cover he cast the demon out and uh, the demon left the girl couldn't tell the future or see things anymore like she was seeing and the owners of that slave girl said grabbed paul and silas and brought them before the magistrates brought them before the the uh, the court so to speak and they said these guys are they they just took away our our source of income so they threw him in prison But before they did that, they ordered that they would be beat. And the crowds gathered around and they grabbed them and they were beating them. The Bible says that they beat them with rods. Have you ever been beat with a rod? I haven't. I mean, I've got my rear end kicked a few times. Beat with a rod. The bruises and the welts and the, the pain that that must have been. I wonder if any of them got hit so hard that it like split the skin. You know, we talk about Jesus and the cat of nine tails ripping the skin, but, but maybe even the rods were hit so hard that you know how you get hit so hard it will split it? I, I don't know, but I, I, I envision them being a bloody, bruised mess. And then they're thrown in prison. Oh yeah, they told them they were, they were also commanded, uh, the the magistrates and rulers commanded them to be stripped of their clothing. So they, they, I mean, you get hit with rods. It's one thing if it's on a coat like this. It's another thing if you're stripped naked. And and not only that, but, you know, when you're stripped naked, there's something about vulnerability. Hitting you in spots that you really don't want to get hit with a rod. Smacked around, bruised. Acts 16.23 says, when they had struck them with many blows. So it wasn't just like, well, hit them once and put them in prison. When they had struck them with many blows, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to guard them securely. The scripture says that these two guys, again, with their injuries, they were thrown in, and to add insult to injury, their feet were then secured in stocks. And I imagine this jailhouse was not very nice When you're wincing with pain from being beat with rods then placed in stocks so that you can't move or get into any kind of comfortable position, because of those stocks, uh, I imagine that they were feeling pretty defeated. After all, they were only doing what the Lord had instructed them to do, right? Can you imagine how they felt? God, I did what you told me to do. I've been obedient. I've done these good works in your name. I've done all these things, and this is what I get? Thanks a lot, Jesus. Now, none of us have probably ever said those words, but maybe we've thought it just a little bit. But then the scripture says that around midnight, they began praying and singing. This is Paul and Silas. The scripture doesn't give us detail about the time between being beat and when they started singing. It just says, and then around midnight they started praying and singing. But maybe as they were sitting there in the dark before midnight, feeling that discouragement of what had taken place earlier in the day, feeling the sheer pain of being beaten, no way to position themselves for sleep, maybe, just maybe, Paul spoke up and said something like this. Hey, Silas, how you doing over there? It's rough, man, I'm not getting this at all. Why are we having to go through this? I I, I just, and Paul just says, wait, Maybe we should start thanking God instead of being angry with him. Maybe we ought to start thanking him that we're still alive because we could have been killed. And we should start thanking him because we have this message of the gospel and a mandate from our Lord to preach it. What a truth we've been entrusted with. Maybe we should start thanking God for what we have all that we have. Maybe we should thank him for helping us resist the temptation to question what he's doing. I I don't know for a fact what flipped the switch in their spirits, but it doesn't take a lot of imagination to believe that these guys were allowing thankfulness to well up within their hearts at some point. In the midst of a dark prison, in pain, and in shackles, they somehow started to find a place in their heart where they were thankful for what they had. Had to have been. Because about midnight, they started to pray and sing. And I don't know if, if you understand this, this statement, but it is, it is impossible to pray through clenched teeth. As if, I'm so angry at you, God. I just... It's really impossible to be so angry at God to the point of bitter, almost hatred, and lift your hands and be like, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I have it be a place of coming from a place of authenticity. These guys had been through it, and yet, verse 25 says they began to pray and sing at midnight. The message version says that they were singing robustly. And as prayer and singing and praising and worshiping God started flowing from their thankful hearts, guess what happened? They became more and more thankful. And then the worship produced thankfulness, and the thankfulness produced worship. And it just went on and on and on until, man, they were shouting the praises of God in the middle of prison, right after being beaten. I wonder if we'll ever have to experience that in our lifetime getting beat for our faith. I wonder if we'll ever be in a prison somewhere because of our faith, and we start shouting the praises of God in the midst of that place. The Bible says the other prisoners were listening to them. I'm sure it amazed them. Why on earth were these guys expressing how much God was worth to them in the midst of their circumstance? They were saying, God, you are so worthy of this of our praise, of our whole lives, we love you. They're singing all these songs, they're praying out loud, they're, they're robustly singing in the midst of their circumstance. See, worship flows from a thankful heart. A thankful heart is a catalyst for worship. And these guys worshiped, I believe loudly and boldly, and then all of a sudden, why is it a benefit? Why, why is a thankful heart the benefit of a thankful heart a, 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 being a catalyst to worship? This is the benefit, because when there's real, true worship, God shows up. And God showed up here. He absolutely did. He showed up because an earthquake came and it rocked the place. It rocked the place so much that Paul and Silas were freed from their chains and their shackles. It rocked the place so much that the do- that the prisoners were all loosed and the doors of the jail were flung open it freaked the jailer out so much that he went to kill himself he's like oh man this is this is the end of me I'm, I'm going be I'm going to be blamed for all this and so he's going to kill himself Paul intervenes and, and, and says hey don't do that we're all here don't worry we're not we're not leaving we're not we're not you know this isn't a, this isn't a, a jailbreak. break you start talking to this guy and Paul and Silas being being free, and, and, and the jailer, as well as his entire household, got saved. He witnessed to this guy, and the guy got saved. And then his entire family. What if Paul and Silas would have sat in that jail all night grumbling about it? What if they let their pain turn into bitterness towards God because he had allowed this all to happen? What if they laid there in their shackles and were like, oh, oh. Oh uh, uh, Ah, oh uh, ah. I mean, I understand noises we make because of pain. I get that, right? We all have that sometimes. What if they're like, Lord, why did you do this to me?" What if they just would have complained and murmured and, and been like all oh, whiny? I mean... All of us would have probably been a little whiny, right? They had the right, maybe. They'd been beaten, stripped naked, jailed. And if they would have been that way, if they let their physical pain turn turn into bitterness towards God because he had allowed it all to happen, no one would have been saved, and they would have not gained their freedom. Thankful hearts are a catalyst for worship. God seeks out those who truly worship. He seeks them out, and he shows up on their behalf. We're introduced to an unknown lady. Here's another example of this. An unknown lady in Luke 7 who had obviously had some previous previous encounter with Jesus. We don't know. It doesn't say. Maybe he had healed her, or maybe he had preached the gospel of love, and it was the first time she ever felt the love of God being preached. Luke 7:36 through 38 One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him and he went into the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table And behold a woman of the city who was a sinner when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house she brought an alabaster flask of ointment it was expensive by the way very expensive and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with, her, with the hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. That's what she was doing to Jesus. Now, this shouldn't be confused with the time that Mary of Bethany anointed Jesus' feet before burial. This is before that. This was a woman who was obviously thankful for whatever Jesus had done for her. Her thankfulness had to be what drove her to this lavish act of worship. Later, when Jesus was questioned by the Pharisee about why he he would let such a woman do that, he basically said, those who have been forgiven much love much. Those who have been forgiven little love little. This woman understood what Jesus had done for her and she was thankful, so she worshiped thankfulness for whatever he had done for her, she worshiped him. And she worshiped Jesus in spirit and in truth. It flowed from this woman's thankful heart. And then in verse 48 of Luke 7, Jesus re- reassures her that her sins are forgiven. And apparently, a, a woman from the city who was a sinner, you, you, you can maybe let your imagination go to what kind of woman that was, possibly. We don't know a lot about her. We just know that what she did for Jesus was written and it will never be forgotten. A thankful heart is a catalyst for worship. So this morning, I I want you to think about, it's very early, and I'm closing right now. I preached really long last week, so I'm giving you a little bit of a, a break today. How's that? This morning, I want you to think about the thankfulness that's in your heart. I want us to just sit in silence for a moment and think about everything we are thankful for. And let's be intentional this morning. Before we do that, I wanna read 1 Chronicles 16, eight through 12. It says, thank God, call out his name. Tell the whole world who he is and what he's done. Sing to him, play songs for him, broadcast all his wonders, revel in his holy name. God seekers, be jubilant. Study God in his strength. Seek his presence day and night. Remember all the wonders he's performed, the miracles and judgments that came out of his mouth. Give thanks to God. Close your eyes for just a second, and we're, we're just sitting here in silence right now, except for me talking. If you're thankful for his provision, then thank him. You have food you have a warm house to go back to. That's not that warm, Pastor Barry. Well, you have a blanket to to, to to get through, right? Thank him for your provision. Thank him for the beauty of nature, if that's what you're thankful for. I don't know how many times I've been told in southern Iowa by, by southern Iowans that, oh, my sanctuary is out and that you're blind. I just heard a testimony this last week of somebody who who was so overwhelmed by the nature and the beauty of, of, of that, that God had put together out, out in a deer when they were in a deer stand that they took their bow and they hung it up. And deer walked by and they didn't even care because they started worshiping and thanking God. Some of you know what I'm talking about, right? When you're just in those places where nature is so beautiful and you just begin to thank him for it. If you're thankful for your kids, then thank him. If you're thankful for his healing, then thank him. Even if you haven't received the manifestation of that healing yet, thank him that he has provided healing for you. If you're thankful for your spouse, then thank God for them. If your spouse has passed away, then thank God for the the time that you had to enjoy with them. If you're thankful for your parents, then begin to thank God for them. If you're thankful for your church family, thank God for your church family. If you're thankful for his salvation, his deliverance, for the freedom that, that can only be found in him, then begin to thank God for him. There is really, literally no end to what you could be thankful for. And you can be a specific or use words that maybe are a little more all-encompassing. It doesn't matter. Just begin to let your heart overflow with thankfulness. That's what he's called us to do. And there's benefits, generosity flows, and worship flows. A thankful heart is a catalyst for worship, true worship. Even if you're a sinner that's so far gone that you think there's no hope. That lady broke that perfume, anointed his feet, washed his feet with her own tears and hair. She worshiped in spirit and in truth. Because of what he had done. We thank you, God. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.